One is arguably the first blockbuster superhero film and the foundation of the MCU. The other is Sony's realization that they could have made a lot more money. Spider-Man. They remade it. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of They Remade It. I'm your host, Stuart. And I'm your host, Jacob. And coming at you live with a new microphone setup, as you can probably tell. Whoa, I can definitely tell you sound kind of robotic to me, but... Oh, yay. I mean, <laughs> maybe you, you sound mildly robotic to me, but it's, it's always been the same. Oh, well, fuck you, Luigi. <laughs> I don't need if, that. If this does turn out kind of robotic on the actual recording, I apologize. I've monitored, at least on my end, it seems pretty much okay. But um, otherwise, you know... We're obviously still in the experimental phase with this whole thing. As I'm speaking right now, I'm in a completely jank-ass attempt at an audio booth that has apparently not helped much at all, but, eh. I mean... Because apparently, apparently the background of my tiny apartment just sounds... It, it, like we were making, we were riffing on it earlier. just sounds like an airport bathroom once I turn the gain up on the mic enough. Yeah, so. yeah. But, I mean, to be honest, for the past year and a half, we've kind of been in a... A, a learning or growing phase and i don't think we're done so. yeah no it's it took a year and a half before i realized oh i need an audio interface to make an actual decent recording and not just a cheap ass you know basically an office headset with no <laughs> pop filter as you can constantly hear with all my breaths a headset with a big mic sticking out in front of your face with a sticker of a monkey holding up the middle finger on the left <laughs> earphone that is very specific, and I, 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 is that a reference? I'm sorry. It could be if you want it to. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure. pulling that from a Best Buy, from a Best Buy in like 2005. <laughs> well, I mean, on the subject of references, uh, what you been watching? I'll let you go first because I have a decent size movie. I've only watched a few things, but I have a big one that I'm gonna have some opinions on. Oh boy! Well, let's get started. Um. So I was working, I was coding the other day in my free time, which I haven't done in a long time Whoa. <laughs> since it's like my job. Like I, yeah. <laughs> I never, I get home and I just want to play games. I don't want to do anything, but, uh, Same. I've been meaning to go back into drawing for myself, but again, it's my job. So, right. Yeah. I can take the fun out of it. Can it? I know uh, it sucks, but when I'm coding, I like to watch weird, cringy internet stuff. Which is how a lot of that guy with the glasses stuff, which we've talked about before, how a lot of that came into my lexicon is because years ago I would put that on in the background, like Linkara talking about stupid comic books while I do something. Yeah. Um, and I'd laugh at how bad he was. But, uh, so when I was coding, I, I, I put on the Irate Gamer. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen his content. I watched, like, the first three seasons of that in the background. I'm proud. To, I'm proud to say, even though I should probably be ashamed. Um, and then after that, you know, I put on a couple of uh, Chris Chan documentaries from YouTube because, damn it, I, I I think I know everything there is to know about him, uh, or her, I guess. But uh, I mean, there's all there's always room for refreshers, and I can't get enough of that that life. Like, it intrigues me still even though I feel I know everything that there is to know now. I mean, uh, you know, it's the beauty of rewatching all that stuff. That's why I've rewatched so many historical films that I have. 
I'm just like, oh yeah, this thing. That's essentially what I'm doing, is I'm watching what'll be on the History Channel in 20 years. Oh god, that's depressing. <laughs> it sh and it should be. Um, oh god, Doug Walker is gonna be on the History Channel at some point. Doug Walker has already been on TV. Have you ever seen that Doug Walker, like, PBS thing that he did? Where it was like... Jake, I... That's a lot to take in at once, Jake. I'm gonna just go ahead and leave a pin in that one and just let that one <laughs> let that one lie, so I don't let my brain implode any more than it already has. Okay, I'll send oh, I'll send God. a li I'll send a link to our group chat later. Um, okay, yeah, that's that's fair enough. But if you want a an actual film, I actually did watch one this time around uh, because hey. it's on it's on Netflix now. I watched the new Grinch movie from Illumination. Oh God. Uh, and guess Why? what? Guess what? I like it. Oh, no. It's probably, I mean, it's probably the only Illumination film I've seen that I even like. But. Huh. You didn't like Despicable Me? Not really, no. Hmm. I thought uh, it was cute. I. There are some problems that I have with the new Grinch movie. I think they go too hard on a sad backstory because he'll be, like, mean like, the first ten minutes in the film, he's, like, ruining a kid's snowman, and then literally five seconds later, he has a flashback to his life at the orphanage, and they go a little bit too hard on trying to make him likable, but I get why they're doing it, because that's, like, every kid movie now. Um, why does it always have to be like that? Why can't it just be like, we can just have, this person's a bastard, and there's a moral, at the, but they become less of a bastard by the end. Like, that's all you need. Just point A, point B. Yeah. I think they go a little too hard on that, and I don't really care for the rap version of You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, which they played during the trailers, so I already knew that was going to be in the movie. But besides, I forgot it was going to be a thing, and now I remember. Yeah, but besides those, I think I really do like it. I think it's I think it's a fine movie. It looks great, which most of Illumination... That's not really saying much. Most of Illumination stuff does look great. Yeah. Uh... I don't know. I don't have many problems with it. They made Cindy Lou Who like an actual character too. Oh. Even though, cute. even though she's supposed to be Cindy Lou Who, who's no more than two, and I'm fairly sure certain she's like ten in the movie, but that's okay. Whatever. Yeah, that sounds like the Jim. That sounds like the Jim Carrey version as well. I, that's true. Ooh, that one has a lot of problems. I, I like the original better, but the, this Illumination one is definitely better than the Jim Carrey one. The yep. Ron Howard directed. How they Grinch Stole Christmas. You realize, and we've talked about it before, we could do that one. Yeah, I know, and we probably That's, will. We'll save it for we Christmas. We probably will. Yeah, let's, let's get to Christmas time and see what happens. Yeah. But no, that's my that's my official stamp right now. I like I, I like that movie. Alrighty. Good for you. I will probably never watch it. Unless we end up doing uh, They Remade It Again with it. That's perfectly reasonable. Alright, <laughs> so what about you? I'll hand it over to you now. Okay, I watched a few things. Uh, I watched two things on Netflix and then one big one in the theater, which, like I said, I'll get to. Um, first one I watched uh, was The Da Vinci Code, because I had never wow. seen it, and I kept seeing all the... I had seen ads for it, like, all my life. My mom really liked the original book, um, and so, so I, I just knew the title. It was, it was pretty hokey, but it was still kind of cool, I guess. Like, there's a, there a few things where it's... There's a few twists and reveals that you can see coming from a good 20 miles away, but I think it was still done pretty well. It's 
you know kind of cool like there are actually moments where it's like oh that's really cool. like that's that's kind of interesting how they were able to tie that together it's like maybe that's like a legit theory or a legit thing that could have happened um which you know i guess which is a sign of a very good um historical fiction movie um, right otherwise I didn't know you, know you hadn't seen that yeah no i just it had always passed me by and i saw it, it popped up on netflix and i was like already that's what i'm doing yeah um let's see then i, I was actually right. on after that i was kind of on a historical movie kick and i watched the national treasure like right after it honestly national treasure is better it's <laughs> i i i genuinely kind of love national treasure just because of it's not it, like the thing with the da vinci code is that it's very you know super like gritty like not gritty but it's very real life feeling like people like people die in horrible ways and it's about you know the, the catholic church and all these like deep meaningful things meanwhile then national treasure comes along it's like what if the founding fathers were a bunch of fucking nerds who had a secret treasure <laughs> and it's just and it's about a, them about a bunch of history nerds american history nerds just going about finding all this crap and it's like all right i'm, I'm down let's go for it well also uh, nicholas cage and Nicolas Cage, yes. And which I gotta I gotta say, I have never had a consistent opinion about the man. Like I'll see one movie and it's like, my god, this is one of the worst actors on earth. And I'll see him in something like genuinely movie moving or like with good pieces. Like there's one movie, like weird experimental movie, uh, Mandy, that come out a while back that I at least saw most of at some point. I can't remember when, but he was killer in that. And so I just, I never know what to think of the man. So every time yeah. I see him in a decent performance, I'm like, huh. His problem but, is, is that he does, like, if you hand him a script, he'll probably do it. Because he almost bankrupted himself buying castles and dinosaur bones and shit. So that's weird. he does, like, ev- any script that he gets handed. He doesn't care. I mean, I, you know, I mean, that's that's one way to live your life. I'd do that, personally. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, those are the two I watched on Netflix. And the big one that I saw was Toy Story 4. Oh, as, boy. Yep, and as you know, as I've mentioned on the show before, very, very long-time deep relationship with that film series. Um, I will say this going in first off is there's an adage going around nowadays that goes to the effect, good hand-drawn animation will always look good, whereas 3D animation will look outdated within five years. I'm willing to say that this is going to be an exception to that rule because, oh my god, this movie is gorgeous. Like, you know, I'm sure people, like, there have been screenshots circulating for a while where you, like, see the stitching on people's clothing and, like, the scratch marks on on all the toys and everything. Oh, I saw the gif. I saw the gif of the cat stretching. Yeah. And I thought it looked great. There are these wide shots of, like, it's it takes place kind of in this more outdoor environment kind of this carnival area out in the i think it was colorado um and you just see these sweeping shots of this carnival during the day and at nighttime it's just absolutely stunning and obviously the you know music and everything still hits a chord something fierce with me like you got a friend in me when it first started up i got a little choked i was like oh no not like this um that being said you know how in the Q&A episode a few weeks back you had said Aladdin was kind of one of the worst movies that had happened because of what it did for voice acting and that sort of thing? Like it being all big celebrities and everything? 
Yeah, and I and I've thought about it since then too, and I kind of regret yeah. just because I don't think I explained myself well enough in that I think Aladdin's a great movie, but it set a precedent for a lot of really bad animated tropes. Yeah. Later. And like I I know exactly what you mean now because Toy Story four, in total, introduces. I mean, I'm including Bo Peep in this, even though she's technically a recurring character, but it's a new voice actress, new character design, new personality. She's a new character. Um, <laughs> but in total, introduces seven new characters. And I'm not just talking like side characters or characters that just kind of are there to briefly add tension to the plot. Like it, they, they, they did that in Toy Story 3, but there were still only a few big new characters that were introduced. This one has seven new characters with arcs, personalities, goals, failures, and all this sort of stuff that are taking up the entire film. Meanwhile, <laughs> the original cast from the first three movies that we've all known to love and everything are there. They're present at the place that all this action is taking place, but they're not given screen time. They're just not doing anything. And so we're here with the range of all these people like Key and Peel as the two carnival toys. Keanu Reeves is a character. Um, I can't remember the characters for the main villain, and there's the sport character you've probably seen from all the trailers. Yeah, um, yeah. It just it adds all this other stuff, and it just completely just takes up the entire thing. <laughs> it's just like why? <laughs> now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Key and Peel toy like the prize characters i guess at the carnival i think that's who you're referring to who uh, yeah they were in the teaser that's how long we've known about them but yep. uh they are also hearkening back to what i said about aladdin uh are they like the wise cracking yes buddy i yep mm-hmm yep they <laughs> absolutely 100 percent are but yeah, yeah there are i just it's insane with all of this and it's just it waters the whole thing down and it makes it just feels like a different like a different kind of weak version of the original story like literally the setup of the story is almost identical to the setup of the first toy story like woody is having to teach this you know spork who was made by his new kid in art class that he is now a toy he's not like trash he's convinced that he's trash and keeps trying to throw himself away so he has to keep like bringing him back um this is basically just the setup of him with Buzz, because Buzz was convinced he was an actual space ranger, and he had to bring him back down to Earth, and now it's happening again with this. Yeah. And it's it's, it's meant to kind of open up, like, an existential thing with Woody, where he's trying to question, is like, what is my role now? I'm getting older. The kid doesn't like me as much as, like, Jesse. Um, but it just... And the, another thing with that is that it sets it up, like, oh, Jesse is kind of taking the reins, but Jesse has almost no screen time. She is... <laughs> there and she's she is fucking robbed of any time like it's just it's insane and like and i'll go and i'll go and wrap it up i just have one more point with it just because i would go on for a while and this is to and like avoiding spoilers as much as possible um the oh sorry um the new villain kind of sucks like all the <laughs> All the previous villains have always been really cool and really interesting. Like, Sid was, like, a kid with a power trip. You know, uh, Pete was manipulating and conniving and everything. Lotso was straight up, was a straight-up juggernaut. And it was just... And it was setting up this character, this new villain, to be really cool. She's this, um... Like, one of those older 1950s play dolls where, like, 
you lean it over and its eyelids close and everything to like it look like it's sleeping and she's been stuck in this uh, antique shop for something like 30 to 40 years with her only friends being these like slappy slappy I, style <laughs> uh, ventriloquist dummies it's gonna bring and up I that goosebump was... shit exactly um and I thought it was going to be setting up, oh, she's going to be straight up crazy. Like, one of the plot points is that she doesn't have a working voice box, but Woody does. And so I was thinking, oh, she's going to just straight up try to butcher him open. Without spoiling, that doesn't happen. And it, she's not crazy. It just kind of doesn't do much of anything. It, it's, there's Great. not really a whole, there's not a whole lot of conflict in general. Like, there's just a lot of moments where it's like, this just kind of happens. And that just kind of sums up. Like, there's eight, or, like there's three or four major, like, just straight-up deus ex machina moments that are just like, okay, fine. We're just moving the plot along at this point. Then I'm just like, Ugh. it's... <laughs> I, I, I still love this movie to some degree, just as someone who has loved Toy Story all his life. But it's just, it's not the same movie. It should have ended with three. And it could still technically end with where it left off here, but I thought that the same with three, so who knows. Uh, so let me know one final thing. How yeah. much of there is Wallace Shawn in this film? Remind me, because I'm bad Rex. Rex. Almost none. I don't want to see it. Yeah, no, it's it. <laughs> yeah, he's he's basically not in it. Him and Potato Head are my favorite and favorites, and Don Rickles is dead. So I'm pretty sure Mr. Potato Head maybe maybe has like two lines, and it could have just been reused old lines from Rickles. Yeah. So. I, I can see that happening. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I, I for you, I'd, I'd say give it a pass. It's it's really not worth it. All right. Well, since it's animated, I'll probably end up seeing it anyways, but well, thank yeah. you. For... It's still gorgeous, and I still, I'm a little sucker, and I, I, I shed a tear or two by the end. It was still fun, but there are just moments, it just, it felt like just, like they're just kind of trying to get away with more crap at this point, where it's like, no one really had a story going into this, and they were like, let's just make it up as we go along. Right. That's really how it feels. And that is upsetting. But you know what's not upsetting? What? Your uncle passing away. Do you want to take us in? I would be glad to, Jake. <laughs> I would be glad to. <laughs> the title didn't give it away and the uncle comment we're doing spider-man that being spider-man of 2002 and the amazing spider-man of 2012 directed respectively by sam raimi and mark webb written by david cope for 2002 and james vanderbilt alvin Sargent, and steve cloves for 2012. the 2002 film opens with the classic superhero origin peter parker played by toby mcguire average nerd has to chase after the bus having missed it on the way to a school trip that showcases an experimental genetics program involving new versions of spiders there we're introduced to the longtime love interest mary jane watson played by kirsten dunce childhood friend harry osborne played by james franco and his father norman norman osborne played by willem dafoe while taking photos of mary jane 
Peter is accidentally bitten by one of the escaped spiders and begins to change over the course of the evening. Meanwhile, Norman Osborn, at his company of Oscorp, is pushed by military investors to stabilize a super soldier compound or they'll cut his funding. As such, he insists on testing the formula on himself as the first human subject. The formula works, making him super strong, but also inadvertently creating a fractured, crazed personality within him. As such, he lashes out and kills a scientist who is working along with him, who himself had also wanted to scrap the formula instead of going on with further testing. The next day, we find Peter has awoken and has found that he's incredibly muscular all of a sudden, no longer needs his glasses, can shoot webbing out of his wrists, not a web shooter, actually out of his wrists, and actually be able to sense when danger is approaching him. Using these abilities, he decides he's going to enter a local re wrestling match in order to earn a cash prize so that he can buy a new car so he can continue to impress Mary Jane. This is where he first dons a costume and is referred to as Spider-Man. But not, but not all before being told by his Uncle Ben, played by Chris Robertson, that with great power comes great responsibility, as we all very well know. He wins his fight, but is scammed out of his money by the manager. As such, he does nothing as the manager is robbed by a man who runs right by Peter out of the building. Peter then goes on to, however, learn that that same mugger shot and killed his uncle and stole his car. As such, Peter tracks him down and ends up frightening him into falling through a window and to his death, just as the police arrive and he escapes. This leads him to begin fighting crime as Spider-Man, while also being able to make some money off of photos of himself by selling them to Daily Bugle editor J. Jonah Jameson, iconically played by J.K. Simmons. All the while, Norman, slash the Green Goblin, now, has been gaining power, stealing an experimental armed jet glider and a super iconic suit of armor and attacking various opponents to his company, including the general who wanted to cut his funding and the board members who had attempted to cut him out. He attempts to also bring Spider-Man onto his side, recognizing that he was the only person who could truly stop whatever he was planning, but Peter ends up refusing. This all comes to a head when Goblin attacks Peter's Aunt May, played by Rosemary Harris, after learning Spider-Man's true identity. The Goblin then goads Peter into one last fight by threatening to kill Mary Jane and a suspension cable car full of children. Spider-Man ultimately prevails, but is nearly killed by Goblin, but once again is able to gain the upper hand as they crash into a, an abandoned building, at which point Green Goblin reveals himself to be Norman and attempts to reason with Peter in order to get the upper hand. Right at that moment when Peter continues to reject his, his you know, false niceties, he notices that he's about to be killed by Norman's glider and jumps out of the way. However, as a result, this means the glider flies right into Norman, fatally impaling him. In one last moment, he put, begs Peter not to tell Harry about what he is and what he had become. Peter then goes on to take Norman's body back to his home, where Harry walk, walks in on them. As a result, Harry believes Spider-Man to have murdered his father, and at his funeral, vows revenge. As Harry leaves, Mary Jane comes to Peter and confesses a true and actual love of him, but Peter has to end up rejecting her in order to keep her safe due to all the danger that he knows he had put her in inadvertently over the course of the movie. He goes on, leaving Mary Jane in tears as he laments on the loss of his uncle. On to the 2012 version, which actually has a very similar setup with Peter, now played by Andrew Garfield, is actually, the only difference being is that he's now incredibly more outwardly intelligent and a bit more stuttery, definitely more kind of ADHD type. 
There's also Mary Jane has been replaced by the original Spider-Man love interest Gwen Stacy, played by Emma Stone. And Norman Osborn has been replaced as villain with Dr. Kurt Com- Connors, played by Reese Efans, or Efans, I believe. It's Norwegian or Scandinavian in general. We are not sure. We are American. We apologize. Peter, once again, gains his powers from a genetically engineered spider and witnesses the death of his uncle, now played by Martin Sheen, causing him to take up the hero mantle. However, along the way, Peter is drawn into an actual relationship with Dr. Connors due to his own relationship to Peter's father. The two work together to create a stable method of splicing animal DNA in order to help disabled human beings, such as Dr. Kurt Connors himself, who was only born with one arm. Connors is pushed by his company, Oscorp, to finish his formula faster in order to save a dying Norman Osborn, who is not actually shown in this film. It's just kind of being like, oh, you know, he's dying, whatever. As such, he uses his incomplete formula on himself, briefly working as he wakes up to find that his arm is actually completely grown. However, it then soon transforms him into a massive mutant lizard man hybrid. He and Spider-Man quickly come to butt heads, obviously, culminating in a massive standoff atop Oscorp Tower. Connors, with the aid of an experimental cannon, releases his same formula over the entirety of New York City, briefly starting to transform its denizens into lizard people. However, Spider-Man and Gwen's father, Police Captain Stacy, played by Dennis Leary, despite them disliking each other, just based on their general morals, manage to disperse a cure over the city, stopping everyone's transformations mid-track. But inadvertently, in the process, the captain is killed. In his dying breath, the captain asks Peter to stay away from his daughter in order to keep her safe. And so he vows to do so. And that's it. That is it. That's the Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah, Pretty similar similar story overall. It was weird weird when I was... I mentioned it before we were recording, but whenever I type up these notes, I always try to keep the synopses as short as possible just to keep it brief, and then we'll go into individual scenes. The first one, really long. Second one, about half the length, because I was like, oh, the first half's exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's, It really just is near point for point identical until about the, I don't know, maybe third to midway point. So I, I love me some superhero movies just because they're very simple. <laughs> you know what? That's, pro- that's probably the best thing that can be said about them, I, I think. Um, yep. How many times have we watched Batman's parents die? I mean, come on. Ooh, too many to count. Yeah. <laughs> Except I don't know in the Adam West show if they ever showed that. I think they were just yeah, on a very be... long trip. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they were alive this whole time. They were just like, you know, good old, good old Bruce doing his thing. We're chilling in Jamaica. <laughs> um... Alright, so I'm going to go into some full circle real quick. So we we have one very notable one for Spider-Man 2002, which we have brought up numerous times on this show. And that would be uh, J.K. Simmons. God bless that man. (laughs) is J. Jonah Jameson and was also Witherspoon in the Bruce Willis vehicle, uh, the Jackal, 1997. Yeah. I keep forgetting that he was in that. He didn't have a huge role, I guess. No, and they killed him off. He had, like, not a chance. Uh, So sad. 
Um, and we have three for 2012's The Amazing Spider-Man. Now, first up with that is Skylar Chisando, who is Howard Stacy in The Amazing Spider-Man, uh, and Tommy Doyle in Rob Zombie's Halloween. <clears throat> now we have Martin Sheen, who was Uncle Ben in The Amazing Spider-Man, and Queenan in uh, our much-beloved The Departed. Oh, God, yeah. And, they, and I, find, I, love, I love that right? actor. I just, it's a terrible movie. Yeah, not uh, very unfortunate. But uh, we also have Ethan Cohn, who was just a, a lab technician in The Amazing Spider-Man. And he most famously played Man with Large Chin in The Red Queen's Court in 2010's Alice in Wonderland. Oh, that guy. Thank God. Oh, yeah, such a recognizable face, especially when there's putty on it. Um, but that's all I have. That's all I have for that. Oh. We can move on. Yeah, pretty straightforward. But um, yep. I think it's I think it's kind of inadvertently become a trend that and I've listened back over the last couple of ones that anytime it's someone's movie, the other person gives their first impressions since, you know, they didn't choose it and since it's just kind of, it, that tends to be the more raw opinion. So I'll go ahead and ask of your first impressions. What do you think of these? Wow, I hadn't noticed that trend, but yeah, I no, guess it, was it makes sense. I'm pretty sure it was completely inadvertent. I guess it makes sense because the person who did the synopsis probably doesn't want to talk for a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I won't lie, that's also some reasoning. My, I, I, You guys probably didn't hear it since, since Jake edits these. Thank you. You are a saint. But I stumbled a lot on these ones. I think it's just because of the new mic setup. I'm just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah, I'll do my best. Um, so, uh, I have seen the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films numerous times, not just because TBS seems to own the exclusive rights to the, uh, to <laughs> you, the you, film you, franchise. You, you watched it there, too. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, yeah. it's like, yeah, I watched this on a lot of uh, t- TV renditions. It's funny, I've probably seen the first Spider-Man ten times on TBS, and I haven't watched cable or satellite in probably ten years. <laughs> That's how often they've shown that movie. Yeah. Um, but so, I already knew what I was getting out of it when I went into it. I like it just fine. I, over the years, I've come to have some issues with it, not a whole lot. Uh, but, I mean, it's just, it's stupid fun, it's fine. Um, The Amazing Spider-Man, though, this is my first time watching it because I remember when it came out, no one had anything nice to say. I'm actually surprised it got a sequel because I heard nothing but bad things about this movie. So I just decided to never watch it. And upon my first viewing, I like it. Okay. Yeah. I I don't have any real issues with it outside of the fact that it's kind of dull and... I think that Andrew Garfield is a pretty good Spider-Man, but a pretty lousy Peter Parker. Honestly, like, uh, I was I was gonna have the exact opposite opinion. Well, um, well, not exact opposite. Um, I thought I thought he was great in the role. At least I I've read a couple comics of Spider-Man in the past. He he's my favorite superhero. That's ended up why I ended up picking this one. Um, I thought Andrew was really good in it. He's just you know nerdy kind of all over the place kind of a dick he could be better honestly but um you know i thought his spider-man was pretty much dead on just with the amount of wit um to- toby mcguire on the other hand at least as peter kind of 
freaking sucked. <laughs> was kind of, like, I thought it was really dopey in the sense that it really did seem like he was just kind of doped up for most of the time. <laughs> and But then whenever he was Spider-Man, he was like, you know, he was confident and like he actually had, he wasn't just witty, he was also like kind of threatening in, in many cases. Um, and so it, it's just anytime he was on screen and he just had that like slight lilt in his eyelids, I was just like, you all right, man? Like, you need to get a nap or something? Well, I, that's kind of what I mean, because I, I think that, yeah, I think Andrew Garfield's a better Spider-Man, I guess, because the way he portrays Peter Parker, I, I already said I'm not a fan but of that, but you can just tell by looking at Andrew Garfield that he can be really sarcastic, and he can be witty, and like this wisecracking super, which is what Spider-Man is. Yeah. Like, that's, that's all he is. But he doesn't look like a Peter Parker. He doesn't look like someone who gets picked on at school. He doesn't look like he has problems with bullying. He skateboards. He looks like the guy that goes out and tries to pick fights. Whereas Tobey Maguire, I... Yeah, you could totally see someone he bullying him. He sounds really... You can see someone bullying I think he's a great <laughs> Peter Parker. He's like this nerdy, this nerdy, frumpy dude. And I think that's great. But as Spider-Man, that's where that some, sort of comes in. You're kind of right. You can tell he's trying to come across as this sarcastic sarcastic guy this this witty wisecracking man yeah but he sounds really sleepy and tired like he doesn't know how to be sarcastic mm-hmm. yeah it's... well would your husband make that for you he sounds like garfield uh <laughs> if garfield was a superhero uh, ironic considering the actors <laughs> <laughs> that's oh that is very funny yeah. that was very humorous my pal thank you thank um, you <laughs> so yeah i uh i mean that that's essentially my thoughts on it. I feel like it's. I feel like the Amazing Spider-Man is more forgettable. I don't remember as much about it, and I'm maybe throughout the course of this episode I'll figure out why. But as of right now, I don't exactly have. I can't put my finger on why I don't remember much about it. I think. Um, like I think it may be on the one hand, like it might be the comparison to that and the juggernaut of just complete iconic moments that that the 2002 one has like you can it's hokey as all hell like it's very early 2000s and there was a lot of moments with more experimental cg and everything where it's just like wow this is not aged well at all i don't know if <laughs> no, this, didn't, not. this didn't age well in within a year <laughs> it's just like by 2003 this thing look out looked outdated um, yeah no toy story 4 it is not yeah no but the problem with it is that it's so into its own hype and so genuine with its line deliveries and its scenes and everything and that you know since it has experimental cg it doesn't rely on it too much that there are so many moments where it's just like wow i am i have literally remembered that scene point for point my entire life like after seeing it one time it's just i mean you know there's like the scene with my, my favorite scene is when green goblin first comes to attack aunt may while she's like you know at night while she's you know praying and as he blows open the wall she's finishing up her like the lord's prayer and he's, <laughs> yeah. he yells at her to finish it finish the prayer and it's like in any other context in any other time frame or era or decade that would have been the dumbest shit in the world but because of how they presented it and how like genuinely 
kind of creepy Green Goblin, like um, J.K. Simmons is as the Green Goblin. J.K. Simmons, what's wrong with me? Willem Dafoe. <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's a different iconic character. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> um, that'd be a pretty good, uh, a pretty good follow-up be, movie. That'd be pretty cool, yeah. But um, but uh, for with Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin and Aunt May as Aunt, like um, Rosemary Harris as Aunt May, it's it's just so it's kind of freaking cool, man. It's. I, I, I genuinely, unironically love it. There's just so many scenes like that. Just every scene with J.K. Simmons as uh, J. Jonah Jameson as well. Just the entire cast of this was, with the exception of um, Tony Maguire, in my opinion, the entire cast in this was freaking stellar. It just, it, it's hard to have a weak performance in this. That's, I guess that's kind of the thing, and you know what, that might play into some of it. I think that the reason... I, I developed this very quickly. Yep, uh, the reason I found this. the ama- I the reason I found the Amazing Spider-Man to be so forgettable, even though I remember I like I liked it just fine when I watched it, but it is aping off of what every single other superhero movie, even some of the Marvel ones, uh, oh. has been doing since I don't know Batman Begins, I guess. Yeah. More specifically, The Dark Knight, but it's it's trying to be dark. And it stands out a lot more when the main character is, like, cracking jokes. Mm-hmm. But everyone around them is like, why? Why are you? Don't... They... <laughs> I... It really doesn't fit. And it's trying to it's trying to be more moody, especially that ending. Like, the entire... The last 20 minutes of the film is nothing but that. Oh, but God. even when people are... Even when people are in danger in the Sam Raimi one, it's so campy. I know uh, it's so good, and Willem Dafoe is like ninety percent of that. Yeah, um, yeah, I... screaming at nothing. Yeah, <laughs> laughing at nothing. Mm-hmm. Which, like, he did all like all those scenes and everything. He like like the scenes where it cuts back and forth between himself and his own reflection. Those were all one take that they had just filmed twice at once. That he was just switching back and forth with the character. So <laughs> it was it was pretty. It was insane. I loved it. Which, uh, that's something else that I really liked about the 2012 one, is Dr. Kirk Connors, when he starts turning into the lizard, uh, he starts having battles with himself, oh, the same yeah. way that Norman Osborn did. I'm like, oh, they're doing the same thing that I saw already. And the same thing with, like, every freaking villain half the time. Well, I say half the villains. Half the villains are, like, already villains and will always be villains. It's all the ones, yeah. it's the ones that transform into it that have, like, this deep internal struggle. It's meant to parallel the, the hero's struggle. It's like, shut up. <laughs> It's like sometimes, yeah. like, like we have, we've we've walked this ground. It's very well trodden. It's been done better before. It's it's been done better in the two thousand two one because um, that's actually this is one of the few cases of um, this is one of my favorite villain arcs of any superhero movie because what Sam Raimi does with a lot of his heroes and villains stories is that the villain tends to be very human like they very seem vulnerable but that doesn't always mean they're redeemable like even especially in this one right to the bitter end you think oh he's genuinely being tortured and everything but he turns around and he tries to kill spider-man and ends up killing himself it's like oh no he genuinely was just a bastard through and through it wasn't just the split personality it was you know norman osborne himself was not a great guy and so it actually has a more complex thing than oh, they're really just a good guy, but they have weird, like, they have their morals are skewed or that sort of thing. It's like, no, people can just be evil. They can just be also be 
complex. It's called good writing. Which is, <laughs> in this day and age, very short and few in between. It's yeah, it, 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 very hard to find. Very, very hard to find. And even when good we writing. do find it, they tend to kill the villain, so... <laughs> It, yeah, it kind of sucks. So you don't get you don't get more can, cases of it. Can I just say because you mentioned that Spider Man's your favorite superhero? Yeah, and Batman is mine. Which yeah, br- really breaking new ground, guys. Batman and Spider Man. <laughs> my, my second but, favorite um, is Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I think my fa- I think my second favorite might actually be the uh, the Tick. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, that being said. Uh, I think a huge reason as to why Batman and Spider-Man are so appealing is not just characters, but as, like, hero stories mm-hmm. is because they, they have such good villains to work with. Like, that's something that's easily said about Marvel is they they don't have, like, a lot of great villains. Yeah, no. But Spider-Man, the Spider-Man rogues gallery specifically is the strongest in all of Marvel, primarily because it's, like, the only one that Marvel has. Like, Thor has, like, four people that he fights. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's weird how over so many years of comics that they really haven't had a lot of villains. Like, they, they ended up just, like, piling all on on one end of the, uh, one end of the scale. With it. It's, like, all these cool and colorful villains that could have such extensive backstories. It's, like, put them all in Spider-Man. They're all from New York to some capacity. <laughs> It's like, yeah, all I, right. guess, I guess the X-Men have a fair amount, but that's sort of cheating because that's like a lot of superheroes like all stitched together. Right. Like essentially, so, at, that's cheating. At that point, that's basically just, you know, like we've made equal sized armies on both sides. Let's just kind of roll with it. It's different when it's like, you know, a whole cast of like a whole cast and crew kind of thing. Exactly. Like their whole thing with um, X-Men is there's an entire subspecies of humanity. So we can literally just pick and choose whatever we want. We can just make a new one up like nothing. But but that's what I was going to say is that the cool thing about Batman and Spider-Man, I mean, in addition to the rogues gallery, blah, 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 yeah. is that w- w- they build up these franchises that constantly are getting redone. We had the Tim Burton Batmans, and then we had the uh, the Nolan Batmans, uh, and now we're having them again in the DC the DCU, if, if that's even a thing, which it's not. Uh, um, it, it, it doesn't deserve <laughs> to be a thing. And Spider-Man has three three sort of series is now two two Sony ones and then the Marvel one that's going on now. Yeah, I, and the, I made the joke <laughs> earlier. The phrase "the second Spider-Man movie" now refers to three different movies. <laughs> oh my god! Which like I love but, Spider-Man, but fucking <laughs> Jesus. The cool thing about those two franchises is is that even though they have all these movies, they don't have a lot of overlap with their villains like. Uh, what with Sam Raimi Spider Man, we get Venom and Sandman and Doc Ock and Green Goblin, and in the 2012 ones, we get the Lizard and we get uh, Electro. We get a brief glimpse of Rhino at the end of the second Amazing Spider Man, and of course we get Green Goblin again because he's like the Joker in this scenario where it's like, oh, we got to put him in somewhere. Yeah, but it's just cool. And then the Vulture in Homecoming. Yeah. Like we, we, it's like they're, they don't have to tread new ground because they have plenty of stuff to work with. There's even a new, my favorite Spider-Man villain is apparently in the one that's currently in theaters, which I won't, I won't bring it up since it's in theaters and I haven't seen it, so I can't confirm it. Uh, uh, but apparently my favorite Spider-Man villain is in it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no, well, I didn't uh, want to say well, it. Well, he's in the trailer. 
I watched the trailer. I didn't see him. Uh, really? I mean, he's in. Maybe full... there's multiple trailers. I mean, yeah, I guess so. But I'm pretty sure in all the trailers, like he's on full display. Like we're on the uh, the design might be a little different, but yeah, full display, whole round helmet and everything. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even see him. But yeah, he's in the he's in the most recent one. So like they can, I I think that's cool that they can that they can do that with this franchise. Yeah. It's, I think like, I also think that might be. One other reason why you didn't you found the 2012 one so forgettable. It literally was just the villain. Like, it's hard to beat the Green Goblin being played by a man that pretty much looks like a goblin. It's. I mean, yeah. yeah, they, yeah. Well, well, unless you go to Amazing Spider-Man Two, in which they have. <laughs> oh God! They they do. They literally up. have him turning into like a goblin. Yeah, that one was weird, but that's a, that's the sequel. We can we can do that one as well later on. Yeah, we have we have a ton. Oh God. Um. So yeah, I've been I've been talking an awful lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do you have anything? Um, any was, thoughts on this? I was gonna kind of go into kind of more. We we've been talking to like the big performances and everything, which are the tend to be the heart of these. I'm, I was gonna go into the more technical aspects to kind of compare them because. As much as I absolutely have, like long before I had seen the 2012 one, um, back when it first came out, I had loved the Sam Raimi 2002 version, and so I was among the voices who was like, "Oh, the 2012 one isn't that great," mostly because it was just different. Having seen it again, I definitely do see there actually are quite a number of improvements I do like, mostly on the technical level, because it's you know it's a low bar to. You know, match or beat early 2000s CG and editing, but it's a noticeable one, <laughs> especially watching them back to back. It's uh, there are so many, there are so many scenes in the 2002 one, like that are just edited so stupidly. Like, remember, there's a scene where he first gets the idea to get a new car to help impress MJ, and the way it portrays it, him thinking about this, is like this fade in of a JPEG of both Mary Jane and then of basically like increasing the size of a car, trying to make it look like it's approaching the I screen. I forgot about that. It's so bad. It's just like these two faded images kind of mixed together on screen to kind of make it look like a pseudo thought bubble, but it's this was back, you know, back in the early era of, of comic book movies where they were still trying to kind of make them like comic books, like that and um, Ang Lee's Incredible Hulk. They both had a big problem with it. It, it. The Incredible Hulk was way worse. It literally, it would have basically, you know, comic panels on screen, like the way that screen would split up. Is just, it, yeah. it, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it did none of that has aged well. And I gotta say, I like the modern method of doing superhero movies where they decide, okay, let's just, let's have it actually shot like a normal goddamn film and have like, you know, decent editing and really good sound editing. And when Mary Jane is, or when the love interest is swinging with, you know, Spider-Man, it's not just the actress holding on to a still dummy in front of a green screen. Like, <laughs> like, did you notice that one? There's um the first time. Yes. Yeah, he saves he saves her. She's clinging onto him, like having hard eyes towards him. It's just, it's so obvious that it's just like that is just a straight up wooden model with a costume sort of over it. It's 
it's just bad, man. It's it's hokey as hell, and it's kind of inexcusable at places. Yeah, that do- that does give it some character, though. That gives it character <laughs> like nothing else. But my god, it's like that's the problem with me is that so often I'm not the type to hang on to stuff for character if it's just low quality, and that's just one of those things. Having you know been such a huge fan and watching it back, I was like, my god, this did not age well. It's 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 like and so I've been way more positive about the 2012 version so I've actually kind of had a quandary of being like which one of these do I actually like better so I've just been going back and forth on them <laughs> oh well I'm not I'm not gonna save it as any surprise I definitely like the Sam Raimi one better but I think right. that I think that's less because I think it's a better movie and more so because it's like I said before it's very campy and hokey like I love the Adam West Batman TV series, and that is not because it's made well or that it's aged well or that it has good writing, but you'll get an episode where Batman's in Hawaii and he has to have a surf competition against the Joker. It's just fun to watch. Yeah. So often, and even on this show, um, many have forgotten the the aspect of films and TV and everything. Did we enjoy it? Yeah. There we go. That's all we need. <laughs> they enjoyed it. Show's over, people. We should change the name of the show. Do they enjoyed it? Only watch good stuff from now on. Uh, it's like, uh, it's that one. S- it's like that short, little short SNL bit with Bill Hader, where they're just like a can like they're um, they're a Canadian news team, like like judging like outfits and stuff, like E News and stuff. But the the name of the show is they both look nice. So they like they compare two people, like oh which person lo- wore it better, like that sort of thing. But then they, at the yeah. end, they're always just like they both look nice. It's like, all right, just we can just be positive about it. We can just be like, all right, I can just enjoy yeah. this. <laughs> and that's the thing. I I was I I mean I I am a down on the new one a little bit because it has that darker feeling to it, and it's trying to be gloomy in spots. Yeah, which isn't necessarily problematic. It's just that we're constantly seeing that. And still, we're still seeing that, even though everyone's complaining about it. Yeah. Um, We've been seeing that. I since... guess Aquaman tried to go a bit in the opposite direction. Aquaman but... was good for it. Like it had tension and bad stuff happened, but it was offset and made more potent by the fact that everything else was at least on a normal level. That's the problem with all right. these movies is that they've been convinced by the Dark Knight, you know, incorrectly convinced by it that just having dark all the time is what you do it. Meanwhile, not realizing the fact. Oh, it also depends on editing and sound design and dedication to a set of rules and making it as either realistic as possible or having as outlandish as possible you can't really do this whole in-between thing because then it just gets weird and ironically kind of samey yeah i mean that i think that's the best thing that the dark knight has going for it specifically is is its editing it's so fast paced Mm -hmm. the editing is like constant cutting that it builds up yeah tension like that way and and that's how you're supposed to do that but in something like the amazing spider-man they have these long drawn out dark and gloomy scenes where i don't know like a it, it's almost soap opera yeah way. i was about to say it's if like, they changed the type of camera they were using yeah it's it like days soap opera days of our lives new york city yeah i um <laughs> but but that being said i like the lizard or Kurt Connors, I like him as a character a lot more than I like Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin. Mm. 
I just enjoy the Green Goblin oh, yeah. more because it's like impossible not to. But that's I, I I don't know. I've heard people like talking shit on on uh, the lizard, and I thought he was fine. I I I don't know. I don't think that he was hokey. I didn't think that anything was disingenuous. It like felt real. Yeah, which is what they were going for. And those that that's kind of the the biggest failing of all of this is that the fact of the matter is that the two thousand one one it's got some really solid writing. It's there's some yeah. there's sometimes like the characterizations better the performances are overall better, but the problem with that is that in the end it's kind of ironically the thing that shoots itself in the foot. It's so consistently kind of on the level with modern standards that it's just kind of forgettable. Whereas two thousand two, it had the benefit a of being the first of its kind essentially, um, and b that it was campy enough that they made it work that everyone else compared to you know toby Maguire was so outlandish that it made everything else seem in the back and like the you know periphery seem all the more exciting it's like oh okay here we have our basic main character and whoa here's a guy on a glider <laughs> and don't forget the pure patriotism that drove that movie oh, the entire yeah. marketing campaign had flags everywhere because 9-11 had just happened and that's see that's the like, that's the biggest thing about this one is like um that w- which was another point I was going to bring up. This was being made right before 9-11 occurred, and there's an old trailer you can still find that shows Spider-Man swinging around chasing a helicopter, I think, where it's actually yeah, meant I've to be... Seen it. Yeah, it's meant to be actually in the movie. It's meant to be the first actual showing of, you know, the actual Spider-Man in action, which is why in the version that we have, they ended up cutting it because it involves them flying around the World Trade Center, which was you know, going to be just be maybe be a bit insensitive if they include it. Um, is that it's in the movie that we have now, it ends up being very jarring. He kind of goes from I'm designing a suit to I'm already famous. There's not a whole lot of build up to it, whereas this scene would have been the actual build up point for it. But they cut it, and so it made it a bit more awkward, which is just yet another thing to add to this movie. It's so weird, and there's so many random cuts and everything that it's just kind of created just a whole beast on its own <laughs> and you know it's like it's you know it's also 9-11 that drove the scene at the end where you know all the new yorkers on the bridge start fighting goblin to help you know spider-man and everything like i'm pretty sure they literally added that one after the fact like after the film was actually technically wrapped and just because you know all they need to do was green screen in you know a cg goblin and then a bunch of new yorkers yelling on a bridge you know what? I would have been a lot more... I actually have a problem with this. I would have been a lot more okay with that scene if they didn't have the random Brooklynite going, you mess with one of us, you mess with all of us. Eh, that's two on the nose, even for a movie driven by pure camp. Yeah, that's that, a one, little, uh, that one was a, a bit, yeah. Like I still thought it was kind of cool, but there was just like, eh, we could have just done with the, you know, with, with just the New Yorkers in general. It's like, why is it always got to be the Brooklyn guy? Yeah, which like you know, it's still I still find him the most ironic thing in the world because Brooklyn is not that tough anymore. <laughs> Don't say that in Brooklyn. It's I've I've been to Brooklyn. I've live I've my I have family members that live up there. It's not that cool. 
It's just hipsters. Dude, the one time, the one time I went to, the only time I've been to New York, it was just full of old. It was full of really nice old people walking the streets. And I was like, is this like the new Florida? The first time I get to visit New York, and there's no one yelling at anyone. In some places, yes. Go to the Lower East Side, not so much. <laughs> it's well, that's to be said. There's always there's always an area, right? There's there's a few. But, <laughs> Uh, well, thank you for thank, thank you for joining New York cast. <laughs> Next, the city of New York versus Homer Simpson. The, the show in which two random jackoffs from the Midwest try to talk shit on a city that we've only been to a handful of times at most, <laughs> <laughs> and as such have complete authority over. Dude, I know everything about New York. The pizza, Spider-Man, Woody Allen. <laughs> I I know it all. <laughs> daredevil's there and like that one neighborhood apparently electro what neighborhood uh, uh, devil's kitchen oh, which is apparently yeah. a real neighborhood i had to look that up that, that actually is yeah. yeah i i actually knew that. i heard that in the first time i saw that show and i was like fuck off <laughs> It's like, it's like you guys. Truth is stranger than fiction. It's like, it's like. Look, I know Marvel needs to come up with these iconic things. I know it's not easy. I'm sure DC took most of the good names and trademarked them already. But still, we gotta be a bit more creative. I looked it up. (laughs) Oh yeah, Themyscira. That just rolls off the tongue. Exactly. (laughs) Like that Gotham and they got Metropolis for fuck's sake. (laughs) Yeah, which is just cheating. It's just cheating. But yeah, then I looked it up and I was like, what the actual hell, New York. Uh, don't want to live there yeah email us at at new york cast <laughs> anyway <laughs> sorry sorry I, but um but i don't even remember where we were it was just you know, oh yeah we were talking about the that the overly campy we were shit. talking about 9-11 of course <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we were oh god i don't know why that one got me Woo. Uh, I, um, another reason I'm not a huge fan of the 2012 one, I said that I liked it, but I'm not a big fan of it because there's, 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 right. there are glaring issues with it, but I don't think that any actor for me can top J.K. Simmons' performance of J. Jonah Jameson, but 2012 doesn't even try. Yeah. They don't even have, they don't even have him. The, like, what's the point? Even the sequel doesn't even have him, but just has him reply to Peter in a text message. Yeah. It's dumb. Hey, bring me them pics, LOL. <laughs> yeah, it's... Which I guess kind of makes sense. Like, it's kind of hard to... I'm I'm almost almost willing to give it a bit of praise for the fact that they didn't try to do that. Because, like, there are certain things where you're like, let's not try to top this. Everyone knows what this, who this character is. We're not going to do it any better. Which I get, which I guess is also what they did with you know having Kirk Connors instead of you know Norman Osborn. Well, that's what I was about to say. Is I think that's the reason that they had uh, Harry Osborn become the Green Goblin in the second one is because they didn't want to try and or they didn't think they could one up Willem Dafoe's. I think that's very possible. Yeah. Which like you know and like, oh up... everyone's favorite character from the Sam Raimi films played by James Franco. No, we're gonna replace him. No one's gonna give a shit. It's like hell, freaking no. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it's i'm trying to like, that's always it's always a problem with these movies where it's like you know it's hard to say anything horribly bad about it 
but also, you know, I can't give it any praise. Uh, I'm sure it's... I still think I still think these these characters still should have been college students. Like I, in both cases, I've just I keep thinking over it. I'm like, these people do not look even remotely like high school students. That is such bullshit, especially in the 2002. It's like you were trying to tell me that these fully grown adults are like maybe 16 or 17. It's like, eat shit. <laughs> Sam Raimi, please. <laughs> it's just like, I cannot... That is my biggest gripe in both of these, especially in the 2002. It's I, it's just unbearable to watch. It's like, you could just put them in college. <laughs> uh, it's There's so many good casting calls. Are you saying something calls. bad? What, what's that? Are you saying something bad about the Sam Raimi one? You can't do that. Oh, I got plenty of bad things I can say about the Sam Raimi one. I already have. We, you know, Dude, pizza time. You can't. <laughs> Was that in this one? I've, like, no, yeah, it's not. I, second, I, I, I had a, Sam Raimi in general. Yeah, I had a moment of that where it was like, I've already forgotten most of the 2012 scenes, but I remember pretty much 2002 point for point. Pizza Time wasn't in this one. No, just any Sam Raimi one you can't touch because of meme culture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> even, the th- even Spider-Man 3 people are starting to get really defensive about I've noticed it's strange. Like I never thought that I would like personally. I don't have a big problem with it, but I never thought I'd see the day that the internet would band together and be like, "Hey, stop picking on Spider-Man 3. This is like when in back in the uh, back in Prohibition era, a bunch of people would start drinking really weird shit that was sort of like alcohol, just to be like, "I'm just like gonna have something." That's what this is. It's them going <laughs> back to. It's them going back and seeing the only semblance of stuff that they. You know, the only semblance of an original superhero movie and being, you know, it's good, right? You know, we don't have to all be part of this giant universe anymore. And it doesn't have to be, you know, the blandness of the 2012 version. It's just like we're we're getting to dangerous levels here <laughs> where yeah. we're literally just going back and trying to scrub clean to Spider-Man 3. Like, unironically, that movie is awful. Like, it's awful objectively and just from a f- enjoyable standpoint. It's just, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Like the first, yeah. I I actually saw some, I'm going to bring this to, this is just a tangent. Ca- well, we did this last time too. Well, right. Um, I think, I think at a certain point we're allowed to with this. Yeah. Um. But I saw something, honest to God, I think it was earlier today. I saw something online where it was like a, uh, Marvel should Marvel should really make a new Spider-Man film with Tobey Maguire and have it be sort of like Logan where he's all old and jaded and I'm like you guys really you guys really don't know why you like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man do you because if you give that if you give that the tone of Logan you're just going to destroy everything you like about it yeah like Logan Logan worked because you know the character of Wolverine was tortured you can't do that with Spider-Man. Like, any like I hate people who are trying to torture Spider-Man. It's like, relax. <laughs> it's like he has rough he has a rough time. We understand it. He doesn't need to have like, you know, this whole end of life crisis thing. I think that's one of many reasons people really were not a fan of <laughs> uh, his bargain with Mephisto. 
was because they don't want him to be in these tortured situations. Yeah. That's that's what it was, right? I think so. Yeah. I, 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 Which, by the way... <laughs> That, sorry, that reminded me because that deal with Mephisto thing all revolved around his him and Mary Jane being in love, right? If I remember correctly, I think so. And I, which, I think it's really inter- sorry. Which we, are, we are definitely getting on tangent now, but go on. Well, I'm 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 about to tie it back around actually, yeah. but I really like the fact that the 2012 one goes for Gwen Stacy instead of Mary Jane because you can really see because. With our Spider-Man right now, we are in the period of Gwen Stacy, and we have been for a while. So I like the fact that you can sort of see that that divide in the history of Spider-Man, where one minute it's Mary Jane is the love interest, and then the next time a film comes out, all of a sudden it's Gwen Stacy. Because that's, that's like what the evolution of the character and his world has sort of been. Yeah. You know? I mean, even into the Spider-Verse, like, I mean, they had Mary Jane, but Gwen Stacy was, like, a prominent figure in the film. Mm. Which which I think was um, one of the... Which is, is an actual uh, storyline, uh, the Gwen Stacy Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Or woman. Well, all, Spider-Gwen. Whatever. Well, all of the, all the Spider-Men are, are, have their own. Yeah. But yeah, it's... It's weird, it's... This really is kind of unique in all the even all the things we've watched of how culturally relevant it has been since the day it came out. Like we can talk, you know, up and down about, you know, Blade Runner and Scarface and everything, all these huge cultural landmarks. But the fact of the matter is there were cultural landmarks in each of their respective times, if at all, um in the remakes case at least. And so to see something that came out in 2002 and that has remained in popular culture and people's heads and everything, then to see it remade twice and then just to see it actually evolve within our lifetimes. It's not like the whole big 30 to 40 year gap that a lot of our remakes have had. It's just straight up within a decade, literally a decade between these two movies. Yeah, ten years, and then five, I think five years. Yeah. <laughs> like... It's it's so... We're gonna get another remake next year. Yeah, it's... I it's, guess. it's we're It's... it's um, what is it? Logarithmi- logarithmic decay or something. Yeah. It's... <laughs> it's exponentially decreasing. Yeah. It, it's... Yeah. It's just odd to see, you know? And just to watch as all these things pan out, and it's difficult to... It's both easy and difficult to compare them at this point, because it's sort of... You know, apples to oranges, but it's also apples to a very similar apple. You know, it's easy to say, oh, the editing and the CG is infinitely better because technology increases really well. But then it's also, my God, we have seen this story a hundred times already, and now it's literally the same story, technically. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's so strange. You know, even coming up with opinions, I keep going back over my notes. I was like, wait, that was the other movie, wasn't it? And I realized, no, those happened in both. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's 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 weird like you know i had i made the point in when i was watching 2012 it's like man these guys really don't look like high school students and i look back on it it's like my god the people in 2002 look nothing like i'm either <laughs> I, and so i had to add that point as well and it's just it's it's all looping in on itself man like everything is a remake and everything is an original 
We live in a strange time. Are we as human beings not simply the sequels to our parents? Well, Are we not yeah. the reboot of <laughs> our mean, grandparents? First of all, yeah. I mean, first of all, yes. <laughs> um, but also, just think of where we are, too. Like, Andrew Garfield is a Spider-Man people didn't really care for, but Tom Holland people, people seem to really gel with, and I've already said it, I don't really know. I have, I have one of them here that I'm going to watch after a while. I'll finally have seen him as Spider-Man. But uh, people seem to respond well to him, and we're pretty, f we're still kind of fresh off of the Spider-Man game, which was a huge hit, into the Spider-Verse, which swept the Annies and won Best Animated Feature for the year. Mm -hmm. Like, which you know, Spider-Man, man. Yeah, it's like people love Spider-Man. <laughs> it's he's a great character. Spider-Man. Yeah. Like literally in the Spider-Verse, it's just like it's Spider-Man. <laughs> it's, it's like you gotta love it. Yeah. It's like it's hard not to. It's like the only way we had to mix up the formula was literally actively mixing up the formula. <laughs> yeah, and I and I and there was reason to have hype behind that stuff. I own the new Spider-Man game. The Into the Spider-Verse is the newest movie in my collection. Like I I bought it, it like a week or two after it came out on DVD. Yeah, I I saw, I saw I, it twice in the theater. That stuff's great. Yeah. And coming off of them, I can't I can't say that either of these films are great, but I enjoy each of them, and they're they're good takes on a story that everyone knows at this point. Yeah, what is it about just the colorful leotard of that guy that everyone's just like this one? We like this one. <laughs> Screw this Iron Man shit. Yeah. This one. <laughs> it's it's you know it's the, it's the reason that drove sony to only retain the rights for spider-man versus all the other marvel characters it's like they genuinely thought this is the only one that will ever be profitable and for a lot of the time they were right you know going back decades yeah. spider-man was always the most popular anytime someone said marvel no one would have thought iron man maybe think captain america but everyone will always think spider-man it's yeah i i think that's that's pretty apt is and, that and it maybe spider Hulk, i guess <laughs> I mean, Spider-Man, I think, was the first Marvel character to have his own show Yeah. in the 60s. And then as soon as X-Men came out in, like, 1990, they were like, why don't we do Spider-Man again? <laughs> well, I guess there was also Spider-Man and his amazing friends in the 80s. Wait, that's proving my point. Yeah, Spider-Man has always yeah, been, like, the, the been, cornerstone of Marvel. He has been here for so long. He has never left. It's hard to say people are doing remakes. They're just doing what they have always done since we're just making spider-man that's it this is it is a <laughs> what do you mean we just did spider-man we've always been doing spider-man it's not like it's not that short a time for a remake when you look at all the other stuff we've been doing yeah it's like hey i just took a breath now i'm gonna take a breath after that that's pretty normal <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just it's just such a unique entity to have to deal with in this case because like you can't even say it about other superheroes, with maybe the exception of Batman. But even Batman's had pretty hit and miss at times. Like, you know, the most recent Batman iterations have been kind of eh. And even then, his character as in general has changed so much over the course of his existence. Compared to Spider-Man, which has been pretty consistent. Dude, the Adam West Batman film came out in, I think, 1969, and it was two decades before Batman did anything else. Yeah, wow. In the Tim Burton one. Yeah. <laughs> but Spider-Man has always been around. Yeah, Spider-Man's been just kicking around all that time. It's just like, Batman's just sitting and brooding. Meanwhile, Spider-Man's like, hey, what's up? 
<laughs> Slowly dying. <laughs> yeah. And then just... God, I'm going to use that argument from now on whenever anyone talks about the Spider-Man stuff. It's, like it's been around every decade without yeah. fail. Why'd we need another remake so soon? Well, let me tell you something about history. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, let me tell you about history, and let me tell you about America's love of a guy wearing red, white, and blue, apparently. <laughs> like, my God, we are all suckers, aren't we? I, we are, but... but I don't know. They they do them well. I mean, so. yeah, it's hard to complain. <laughs> Like, you know, I'd complained about, you know, the implication, but they do it well. <laughs> it's like, it's if like eating a, had this kind of love for spawn. I'd be like, mm, yeah, exactly. What are we doing? It's like eating a Chick-fil-A. It's like, my God, those waffle fries. But <laughs> all, all the other stuff. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's, it's at this point. It's like, you know. Around this point, we typically, you know, give a general favorite or something like that. But even then, it's like, can we truly give favorites? It's Spider-Man. It's the same guy. He's been the same guy. He's been around all this time. It's If you don't like one, here's another <laughs> one. It's just a mildly different flavor. I, I mean, you know what? If I'm, if I'm going to go off of how I usually rate these things, then I like the Sam Raimi one more just because I'm probably more willing to watch it again because I already have like 10 times yeah but tbs has my back that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> god bless tbs uh <laughs> they give me spider-man and american dad what else do i need but um, i could just die right now <laughs> true truly the american dream the two most american <laughs> things to watch <laughs> Oh god. So, where are you at? Where do you want to end this? Uh, wanna... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm still. Yeah, I, I'm, I prefer the 2002 as well. But it's, it's close for me because in the end, I always do tend to go by just objective quality of filmmaking, and I, I definitely watched Amazing Spider-Man again. I definitely enjoyed it more now than when I first saw it. I definitely was like very pleasantly surprised rewatching this. Like, oh, this actually is pretty good. You know. I felt I think the acting isn't iconic, but it's good. It's you can't call it the, any any of the acting bad. It's more just kind of down to writing and inconsistent tone. Um, but it's just it's you can't beat finish it. It's just the finish it and the every damn scene and the scene where he busts in and he takes Jameson by the neck and everything. It's just. You slime ball. Oh, God, that freaking movie is so weird and stupid, and I will die for it. I will die on that hill. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> One last thing. Yeah. Uh, I, this goes back to the dark and brooding thing, but if only the Amazing Spider-Man had more stuff happen during the daytime. Oh, my <laughs> like God. Like Sam Raimi's does. It's like, who cares? He flies around on this glider during a parade. Yeah. There's daylight. I think that's, no one that, cares. I, you know what? That's actually a really good point. So few movies have it just straight up be in daylight. Even nowadays in Marvel movies, some of my favorite scenes end up being like, "Oh, it's because I can see it." <laughs> like yeah, I know what's going on. They end on. battle in, in Black Panther, but even that, they end up in a dark in a dark cavern and everything. So it's like, God damn it! Why can we not just do this in the day? Like you know, I know, and I say that the 2002 one ends at night, but. You know, that's more for thematic purposes, but they just don't have any other shit going on in any kind of light environment in the 2012 version. And in, all, in a lot of <laughs> other movies, they just do like, nighttime, it's more dramatic. 
The 2002 one has fight scenes that are surrounded by so much, like, golden orange light that New York looks like the city in the Warner Brothers logo. Yeah! It's crazy to look at. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, that's the 2002 Spider-Man's whole color scheme right there. Yeah, it's, it, looks <laughs> like, it looks like that logo. Uh, God, I love it. Yeah, it's, it is, it's weird, it's campy, I love the absolute damn hell out of it. I think that's that's a great place. Yeah, 2012. <laughs> great place to leave. Kind of boring. 2002 has a goblin break in on a an old woman praying. <laughs> it's, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't know how else to frame that. That's just a scene that happens in the movie. Go watch this film yeah. if you haven't. What's wrong with you? <laughs> the 2012 one is a little dull, a little boring, especially when you compare it to the one that came before it. But can we stop picking on it? It's not bad. Yeah. It's not a badly made film. I put it on when it just I put it, can't live up. <laughs> yeah, I put it on when I'm folding laundry or something. I actually did <laughs> when I was watching. Yeah. <laughs> I was folding laundry at the time. <laughs> I remember I was folding laundry. Yeah. That's a story you'll tell your grandkids. Oh dude. my god! I mean, it's a, it's a story they can listen to. <laughs> If this, if this shit survives right. that long. So, um, uh, they remade it at gmail.com. You know, send us send us something. You got suggestions. You want to give praise. You want to do shout out. That's fine. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, leave a review wherever you listen. Primarily iTunes would be helpful. That, because that's where a lot of that stuff gets traffic. Yeah, that, ten, that uh, tends to be, you know, how the biggest names tend to get out there, at least early on, is... Lots of reviews. Even if it's negative, it means it gets popped. It pops up more places. Yeah, just just yeah. Feel free. It 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 takes like what a minute. So that'd be that would be helpful. Um, Insult my microphone, please. I will totally be okay with that. <laughs> just say say whatever <laughs> you like. You. It's like I like all the other things with the Jake guy, but the other guy he sounds like a tool. Oh boy! It's like that's that's completely <laughs> fair. I think you're an asshole, but it's fair. <laughs> I hate that Jake guy because he's such a shill. <laughs> shill. <laughs> he sold out to me undies like instantly. <laughs> they came to him and he was like, "Yes." He's like, I think, I, twenty-three and me, I will do your ad. <laughs> twenty-three and me specifically. <laughs> <laughs> twenty-three and not you, <laughs> me. Um, it re- I'm getting sidetracked. It add it remade on Twitter. I try to post more updates and stuff there. I'm I'm currently racking my brain as to do more stuff on there. Uh, get more engagement. Uh, the same thing with Instagram. Uh, they, they remade it on Instagram, which I'm trying to do more stuff for, and I actually came up with a good idea the other day that I'm going to try to implement within the next week or so, uh, which could be around the time this episode comes out. Um, and finally, yeah, just subscribe wherever you listen. If you like what you heard but you're not subscribed for some reason, go on ahead. Podbay, Podomatic, Google Play, iTunes, of course, um, Stitcher, Spreaker, well, maybe not Spreaker for too long. Podbean. So, you know, take your pick. We got all those, the stuff out there. And that's the end of my uh, my little plug, plug fest. We're like Spider-Man. We end up getting everywhere. Yeah. I zip I zip through the city of the internet lightning speed. Just a thwip and a zock and a yada yada with all the big... Wait, that's more Batman, isn't it? With like the punches and the BAM! kind of thing yeah pow kazow yeah. yeah man it's it's all collapsing on itself <laughs> holy we're, podcast batman we're at the center of the black hole <laughs> it's the event horizon 
<laughs> so we gotta get we gotta get out quick before we're sucked in. As always, I am your friendly neighborhood steward. <laughs> and I am uh, your slime ball, Jacob. <laughs> and thanks for listening. Bye. Additionally, as one last thing, I'd like to give we would like to give thanks to uh, Thomas Meehan. Mihan, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce that, uh, who sent us a list of suggestions just a couple of hours before we recorded this episode, uh, and one of those suggestions was Spider-Man uh, and The Amazing Spider-Man and Spider-Man Homecoming, which we may do a, a secondary episode on later in the future. So uh, this sort of worked out in a way. Uh, and I just wanted to bring that up and put it at the end of the episode. So thank you again, Thomas. Standard freelance fee. Tear up page one, run that photo instead. Headline? Spider-Man, hero or menace? Exclusive Daily Bugle photos. Menace? He was protecting that armor I'll tell you what, Atticus, you take the pictures, I'll make up the headlines, okay? All right? That okay with you? Yes, sir. Goody. <laughs>